0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us Mike and my go to Hello and welcome to the podcast that doubles as an epic odyssey through your own neuroses and nightmares. It's Mike and my go to the movies. Uh, I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle.
1: Mike Trecia, how's it doing, Mike? Uh, I'm doing real good. I think I think both of those things are excellent descriptors of the podcast. This uh, <laughs> absolutely the last eight years or whatever it's been has definitely been an epic odyssey through our neuroses.
0: Yes, absolutely. And every single time we assemble the family, like we will next week on the podcast, it is a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. We'll probably be in uh, what's the, what's that mode on Skype? Uh, <laughs> Together mode. Togetherness mode or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where where it's, it's like the five or six of us all in like the little temples. Yeah. We'll <laughs> be great. Where, it's like we're there in person. Uh, it's going to be great. So uh, yeah, next week on the show, uh, we are going to do our best to assemble the family and uh, get as many of our previous uh, podcast guests on. Talk talked about Fast X, uh, and uh, I am very excited about that. I've heard kind of mixed things on the movie <laughs> fair uh and that's not a, a huge surprise considering kind of the all the insane behind the scenes turmoil where they fire justin lynn brought on louis Leterrier, and vin diesel kind of just oversaw the whole thing and it's basically just his movie yeah uh so we'll see how it goes <laughs> can't wait for justin momoa to be i don't know it's gonna Jace, be jason jason I, I jason momoa yeah. jason momoa uh he, i've heard he's great i i if you saw the new trailer he looks like he's having a lot of fun that's fair um But I I have also heard, and I'm not going to say who, but like recently they like announced like a spoiler, like they said like oh this person makes an appearance in this movie, Uh, and it's like why wouldn't you save that? Like we're we're like a week away, why not just save. Yeah, for, uh, you know it's it's one thing where like in F nine they kind of built the whole movie like all the marketing was like around Han coming back. Yes, like I w- I wish that was a surprise in the movie, but like it was one thing to like you know spoil it in a trailer a year in advance or whatever. Like right. I guess two two years in advance because of COVID. Right, it was like it was out there for a while for for to to spoil it like in a tweet or a trailer like a few days before. Is like come on guys why. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I do know about one person that comes back uh, or that arrives in Fast X, uh, but I, I'm I, based on your face, it does not look like you know about this. I am unaware. Okay, then try, try to steer clear, Mike. Try to try to remain spoiler free. Okay,
1: I'll just, I'll re- try my best to remain unsullied. Um, yes, but yeah, fuck it. I mean, you know, there, it's my greatest guilty pleasure franchise for sure at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think with the Fast movies, and we'll talk more about them next week. Um, but I think uh five, six, and seven, I think are a really legit, great action movie trilogy. Yes. Like th- those three movies are fantastic. I think the first four, um, the first one I think is good. I think the other three are kind of hit or miss. I, I've, I've grown more into them now. Mm. Like I, I like them more post-Fast Five, you know? Like, since having watched the later ones, I have more affection for the earlier ones kind of thing. Yeah, it retroactively uh, makes them better. Exactly, and I, I know you're a big Too Fast, Too Furious fan. you goddamn uh, <laughs> right, cuz. <'cause. laughs> but I think since Seven... There has been like a bit of a decline in the series, um, you know. I, I and I, I really like Fate of the Furious. I know that's like a controversial opinion, but I, I do, I do like Fate of the Furious. I liked F9. I thought it was fun. Hobbs and Shaw that was okay. Like I, I think I. But it, it is very clearly like okay, they're kind of going down each time. Uh, I feel like the heights are no longer the heights that they once were. No. But who knows? Maybe Fast X uh, will be a secret surprise masterpiece and it'll turn it all around. Vin Diesel has recently said that uh, it is now part one of a three-part finale. It was originally a. Two- 2 <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been uh, saying that forever, though, right? Yeah, well, so when... Uh, I think we, we reviewed Furious 7 when that came out, and that's when, I, that's when I watched all of them. Yeah. Like, that's when I watched all those movies and watched Furious 7. And then they announced Fate of the Furious, and uh, Vin Diesel said that was going to be the first in one last trilogy of movies. So it's right. going to be 8, 9, and 10. 10 would be the last one. Now 10 is the first part of a three-part <laughs> saga. <laughs> Jesus. And we we've been making like one last trilogy jokes forever like <laughs> since that was announced uh and now we're like literally doing one last extra trilogy on top of the one last trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Um uh yeah, bananas. But I'm excited, nonetheless. Yeah, it's, it's always a good time, uh, and it's always good to uh, assemble the family to talk about it. So, yeah, Fast X next week. Uh, but today, we're just talking about some discussions, some general stuff about some of the movies that uh, we've been watching lately. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the good thing about, well,
1: good thing, uh, air quotes, uh, about being unemployed and then having the house to yourself is, what if just every day was a movie day? <laughs> You know, what if you just watch four movies a day? Because you could. Uh, Yeah, sounds pretty great. It's pretty great. Also, I was looking at my huge pile of literally shrink-wrapped Blu-rays. And I'm like, I wish I had all this money back right now. (laughs) So I'm going to watch these fucking things.
0: So, Yeah, I think that's fair. Yes, uh, yeah, this is a perfect time to uh, go through your Blu-ray back catalog, uh, which is what I do on my movie days. Uh, You know, I go through my Blu-ray collection and just uh, watch because I still, I I have probably hundreds of movies that are in my collection that I have not watched. Oh, yeah, yeah. and I just feel like, man, it's one of those things where I buy them and like, I'm going to watch that eventually. And then I don't. Uh, so <laughs> five years later and it's still Five years craft. later. Exactly. But then when you finally watch it, it's like, ah, yes, I'm glad I bought that five years ago, you know? Yeah, correct. <laughs> or you hate it and it's like, man, I wish I didn't buy it. It's it's like, like, fuck
1: um, yeah, speaking of, it's uh, almost the halfway to Black Friday sale for Vinegar Syndrome. That's uh, Memorial Day weekend at the end of May. Yes. So uh, if you'd like to donate, support the show, do that at our Kofi page. It's dot com <laughs> slash Mike and Mike Pods. Uh, and be my Blu-ray daddy. Come on. Exactly. Yes. Uh,
0: Yeah. So tonight we're going to get into some discussions. uh, And I'll tell you this that all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Mac V, uh, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. If you ever want to contact us and respond to what we did in the show, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. Uh, At least tweet at us for now. I don't know. Apparently Blue Sky is actually like a legit, like, people seem into it, like more so than Mastodon. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, it's, what's his name? Jack Dorsey. That, created Twitter created is Blue it really State. I didn't know that yeah it's him he, <laughs> made, he was like I'm gonna make a clone of my old thing so I've heard it's very similar functionally and set up like visually and all
0: that unlike Mass That On so that, that could be the thing where we all just jump ship over to um, yeah which, I think right now it's invite only so uh, we'll see what happens
1: it is invite only um, not that Jack Dorsey was a great CEO either he also allowed the Nazis to thrive on Twitter so we'll see how that goes on Blue Sky but at least it's, that's true it's not literally like Lex Luthor <laughs>
0: Um, it's not literally like if the Nazis pay me $8 a month they get priority yeah uh, you know <laughs> right. so far at least but yeah so yeah there you go um, but yeah and if you ever want to make a donation like Mike said head to our Kofi fi page uh, and for $50 which hey that could buy you like two vinegar syndrome blu-rays Yeah, for $50 you can make us watch any movie you want. That's you can right. buy an episode of the podcast. You can make us watch a movie. You can choose a let's rank topic. You can do whatever.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll fucking do it. I d- we dare you.
0: Yes, exactly. I, I did describe this to uh I was re- I was recently a guest on a podcast, the uh, NES podcast that probably won't come out until like July or August because they're banking episodes. But uh I was like, Oh, and uh, you know, if you go to our Kofi page, 50 bucks, you can make us watch any movie you want. Uh and they were like, like a porn? Like, can we make you watch a porn? And I was like, I guess we haven't said no to that. I mean, but I guess if like, it's
1: yeah. one of those ones from the 70s that are just like normal movies that have hardcore foreign scenes in
0: them? That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, if it's like if it, ha- if, it ha- if it has been legitimized by a Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Uh, or if you can log it on Letterboxd, I guess it counts. Yes. I know Letterbox has a porn section now. Yeah. Which was curated by Justin Liberty, a friend of the show, sort of. Yeah, spiritual uh, friend of the show. <laughs> spiritual friend of the show. Somebody who used to program the movie theater we used to go to a lot. Anyway, let's get into it. It's time for our discussions. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. But there is so much to see you and me. So we're gonna talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for some discussions here. I might, might go to the movies and uh, let's, let's kick off with. Uh, I guess we, we each watched uh, two pretty major new releases. Yes. Uh, first of which is uh, the brand new movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I think we kind of briefly touched on this last week of the podcast, but uh, we have both seen it. This is written and directed by James Gunn. And I will say right now, this has to be a spoiler free discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because. Kyle Cullen uh, edits our podcast and can't see the movie because he has two twin boys at home right now.
1: Yes. Newborn,
0: (laughs) like weeks old. Yes, exactly. Like just born like a couple days before Guardians came out, you know, inconvenient timing at best. Yeah. Uh, um, But so so as a result, uh, Kyle has specifically requested if we talk about Guardians three, we do so spoiler free. (laughs) Anything for you, Kyle. Yes, uh, special request. Um but uh Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Mike D, you have been uh kind of on the outs with the MCU over the uh, over the last couple of years. I think you've watched you've still watched most of the stuff. Yeah. Um but you definitely skipped a few things here and there and you you've felt less attached to it. Um basically post Endgame like since then. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think of Guardians 3?
1: I think Guardians 3 is really great. Um yeah, I've definitely and we've chronicled this on the pod for a while. But yeah, I'm l- less less uh, drawn to see them in theaters, opening day, opening weekend, like I always used to be. Like, I can't be spoiled. Like, you know, that whole thing. Uh, and now it's just like, fuck it, who cares for, the, for these movies, <laughs> at least. Um, and yeah, I usually end up seeing things eventually on Disney Plus or just like whatever kind of deal. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I was home because I've, I've mentioned I'm unemployed. Uh, and on Tuesdays, Regal Theaters are half off. And I was like, hey it's one o'clock in the afternoon I bet nobody's at the theater and I went and looked and there were five seats bought in the theater and I was like I'll be the sixth um, <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, went to see it uh and yeah really really great I had a lot of fun I think it is the darkest movie in the MCU for sure just like in like literal content wise um, yeah so be aware of that and if you're squeamish about things
0: uh you know look up what the movie is about and and what's going on in it before you go see it but yeah. I mean it was it was fun there was the discourse last Year with uh, Doctor Strange Two was Ugh. like, oh my god, this should be rated R, like or whatever. And I could not see that for that movie for this one. I don't think it should be rated R, but like I could see the argument for it. You know, I could see like it's, it's much more disturbing.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Those are aliens in Dr. Strange. Uh, And oddly enough, in the movie in space, it's not. Um, So, so there's that, but yeah. And I think James Gunn is really great. And really the, the guardians have been some of my favorite movies, all three of them for the most part. Uh, I'm not as attached to them as you are, but I think this is sort of going to be my approach going forward with the MCU. be like, oh, is it a Guardians movie? Is it like a Spider-Man movie? Is it a whatever? Like the characters that I'm interested in, they'll be the ones that I like maybe make the effort uh, to see sooner rather than later. And um, if there's scene, there's one scene in particular in this movie – where Peter Quill is like, okay, so this is what's been going on, you know, kind of deal. Uh, and it's a goof and it's funny. But if they're going to be like that, then I'm I'm less worried about having, like, caught up with everything. Uh, and maybe right. that's just the strength of James Gunn's writing, that he can, like, work that in in a really fun and not cumbersome way. Um, so I don't know how that'll work going forward. But I think the MCU is going to definitely be m- missing Gunn. Guns influence. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think uh, that was kind of my main reaction after this. But I, I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I thought it was great. I do think, um, you know, the first two are much more fun movies. And this this is still fun. It's a Guardians movie. It's set in space and stuff. But, like, there's a lot of, you know, and and again, I, I, t- I said this would be spoiler free. I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler. But it goes into Rocket's backstory, and that involves a lot of torture of cute animals. All CGI animals. You know, yeah. all fictional animals. <laughs> so they're actually torturing animals in this movie set but I I think this movie uh, really goes into a a much darker more emotional place than the first two Guardians do and I think that is a strength of the other two Guardians movies where like they are very fun zippy space adventures that do have that kind of core emotion to them and that's something that James Gunn I think balances really well for these characters and it's why the Guardians movies have pretty much been my consistent favorite uh, throughout the MCU Uh, Guardians Galaxy Volume 2 my number one MCU movie of all time as I've said many times Uh, people call me a mad man uh you know when i (laughs) when i threw that out there because i feel like for a few years volume two was like considered like oh well it's weaker than the first one it's you know all scattered and yeah, you're all wrong. Volume two, it's it's great, um, uh, and I th- and I think it's getting its reappraisal now. I think more people think are kind so. of get, getting on board with it. Uh, post Guardians three, but yeah, I think this movie uh, brings the Guardian story to a very satisfying conclusion. And yeah, I think uh, Marvel losing James Gunn to DC is going to be like one of the biggest whiffs in the story of Marvel Studios. Like, yeah. <laughs> like going forward, and you know, you hear about what James Gunn has planned for DC, uh, and you know, there's some exciting stuff happening. We'll see how yeah, he's overseeing the entire universe, which is kind of crazy. But he's also going to be like kicking it off by directing his own Superman movie. And I feel like post-Guardians, I feel like I'd be really excited to see what his take on Superman is. And so all all that stuff. But yeah, I I think James Gunn is uh, a really talented filmmaker and really brought a lot of humanity to the Guardians movies, where I think a lot of the other Marvel movies um, don't have that kind of human touch to them. Like some of them feel very like algorithmically driven, all that kind of stuff. I think especially in recent years where it just feels like we were pumping them out and like kind of creating content uh, for Disney Plus and all that kind of stuff like Guardians 3 feels more like it feels like it actually has something to say it feels more emotional it feels like it feels more handcrafted Like there's CGI, of course, but like, you know, most of the aliens are like, hey, these are dudes in makeup, you know, and there's real sets. They're walking around and it just feels like there's a real like human touch to the Guardians movies that I appreciate. And uh, volume three brings it all to a close in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels
1: uh, like a goodbye and it feels sort of like like it could have been the end of a phase or something
0: like I don't
1: uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's it's sort it's sort of weird. And I think this was supposed to uh, kick off a phase. Um, I think maybe we talked about this last week but this was originally going to be filming a few years ago and it wasn't right. COVID that delayed it. It was uh, the fact that uh, Disney fired James Gunn from from volume three uh, after all those like old tweets resurfaced and there was this kind of like bad faith right wing campaign to get James Gunn fired and so the Disney CEO I think Bob Iger just like yeah okay fire him right. uh, without talking to anybody at Marvel or anything about the situation and then everybody, they were kind of just scrambling to get a new director for Guardians 3 and I think at one point maybe Taika Waititi was going to do it and then eventually Eventually, like post Endgame, I think right after Endgame came out, they were like, "Hey, James Gunn's back." <laughs> like, yeah, I think I think a lot of the cast was like, "Well, if James Gunn's not doing it, we're not coming back." Uh, yeah, I, I think that was it, or or at least if it was, I think Batista was very adamantly like, "You gotta have James Gunn back here." Yeah, um, but I, I think what it, what it was mostly was like, I, I mean, they're all locked into contracts and stuff; they would like legally have to do it. But I think they were saying like, if they don't use James Gunn's script at the very least, uh, we are gonna walk. Yeah, so that that was a thing. But uh, but the reason it took so long is because. during during that period where he was fired, which was a few months, it was like, you know, five or six months, something like that. Uh, he jumped over to D.C. and got hired to make the Suicide Squad. And so he had to make the Suicide Squad first and then make Volume 3.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Peacekeeper. And so be- and, uh,
0: like- yeah. And Pe- Peacemaker was just like. Oh, uh, peacemaker, yeah. Yes. Pe- peacemaker was just like he during COVID, during lockdown, he was like, I'm going to make a Peacemaker show. Yeah. <laughs> and HBO Max was like, great, we need stuff. You know, like that's uh, that was how that worked out. But yeah, like it's just during lockdown, he was able to make that. And so because he got locked into doing the Suicide Squad during his firing and then rehired, like Guardians 3 ended up taking a lot longer than was anticipated. Uh, But I think originally it was going to come out in like 2020, maybe 2021, something like that. Like it was going to be a a couple of years ago. That's crazy.
1: Um, But it's out and it's real good. And,
0: that, um, you know, I was kind of shocked because even after Doctor Strange, I was like, I don't really know. Like, you know, I didn't. Right. And that seems like, I mean, a Sam Raimi joint seems like right up Mike D's alley. Yeah.
1: Uh, but this one this one was much more satisfying so I'm, I'm happy for that I'll see Ant-Man at some point who gives a shit
0: uh, uh, I mean it's I think Quantumania is maybe the worst thing Marvel Studios has ever produced uh, so which is crazy take that I mean I like I think it's m- maybe better than the Edward Norton Hulk movie <laughs> I remember liking that movie uh, you know I liked it when I saw it when I was uh, 16 or whatever like or, I guess 13 or 14 like I came out in 2008 yeah uh, 15 I guess I liked it back then when I saw it in theaters and it was so like you know, novels for like Robert Denner Jr. to show up at the end and being like oh my god like it's Iron Man we just saw him in a movie yeah uh, all, all that, that was such a new thing and it was very exciting I have I I recently when Endgame came out I did a rewatch of the entire MCU and I watched the Incredible Hulk one and yeah that movie sucks it's <laughs> it's pretty bad <laughs> that's unfortunate. from the director of Fast X uh, coming out <laughs> <up>. this week <laughs> But yeah, anyway, there it is. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. All right. So and then we have uh, one other movie that we both saw, Mike, um, that uh, we have to talk about. And that is the new film from Ari Aster, uh, Bo is Afraid. Uh, Ari Aster, director of *Hereditary* and *Midsummer*, both of which Big Mike D movies. Oh yeah, I'm a big yeah. Ari Aster guy, <laughs> uh, and Big Mike Smith movies too. I really love *Hereditary*. I really like *Midsummer*. I, I, I would say I, I border on love for *Midsummer*. I think I like it more every time I see it. Nice. Uh, and, and I do. I do think the director's cut is the superior cut of the movie. Which, by the way, uh, the Roxy Theater is playing the director's cut of *Midsummer* in June. Oh. Uh, on June 24th, on *Midsummer*, we're going to be playing *Midsummer*. Classic. Uh, going to be pretty fun. But yeah, so Bo is afraid. Is his new movie, and those two are both pretty squarely horror movies. horror movies that do have like a darkly comic streak to them, I would yeah. say like they are pretty funny movies too. Uh, I think a lot of people don't recognize the humor in those movies in some cases. Uh, I think midsummer is more outwardly funny than hereditary. Uh, like midsummer has lines like, "Oh, the children are watching Austin Powers if you care to join. Uh, yeah. How <laughs> many know.
1: times can uh, will Poulter riff a big uh, vape cloud in the middle of a <laughs> Like very serious ceremony, and you not realize it's funny. You know exactly.
0: Yes, uh, and so but Bo is afraid is much more outwardly like. Uh, and Ariaster said, "This is like a nightmare comedy. Like it's still sort of a horror movie, but this is like meant to be a comedy for the most part." Uh, Interesting so, choice, but okay. Yeah, what did you think, Mike? Of Bo is afraid. I think
1: someone needs to check on Ariaster. Is really <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's three hours. It is a harrowing journey. I don't know if I'll see it again <laughs> or when I'll watch it again, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a lot to think about while you're like, while you're a lot of, I think this movie will get better with the more hashtag analysis you apply to it. I don't know if I'm equipped for that yet. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, right down to the very, the very beginning of the movie, you're like, okay, this is not the real world. Right, like once you see the street that Bo lives on with like a literal corpse that everyone just drives around. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes, it's <laughs> just left out in this sh- and everything else going on. You're like, okay, this is not the real world. So this is either the way Bo perceives his world or this is the cartoon world that Bo lives in. Uh, <laughs> and then it's that question for three hours, <laughs> which is wild and very fun and, and incredible. And uh, I saw it at the Alma Draft House. So they have the whole pre-show thing, which is very fun because I didn't really know anything about this movie. So during the pre-show, one of the things they show is like early Nathan Lane sketches comedy and i was incredible like, what the fuck is this like what does this have to do with the- <laughs> <laughs> so then when 45 minutes into this movie when nathan lane shows up <laughs> i was like oh my god um, and he's terrifying i've never been scared of nathan lane in my life before but somehow i am in this one um and the way it's sort of in acts and sections is very fun uh and just what a fucking a nightmare comedy basically um and what a and the way it ends on just like um now, think about yourself, kind of way. It was very fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I really liked Bo is Afraid. I think it's quite an experience. I think it is his least. Accessible movie, and, and granted, yeah. Hereditary and Midsummer, or at least particularly Midsummer, I think, has a lot of like layers and interpretations and stuff, uh, and whether or not Danny is correct at the end and all that stuff, right? Um, but I was Afraid is that times a thousand, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a fucking madman, uh, and yeah, I, I really
0: liked it. I don't like it. yeah, I've uh, it's just a much much to, much to chew on, you know, yeah. <laughs> with this one. <laughs> That was exactly what uh, Mike Emmons said when he walked out of the movie. Uh, it was like, "Oh, much to think about."
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. And he mean, stroked hmm. his beard.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. No, I, I really loved *Boas Afraid*. Uh, it is probably my favorite movie of the year right now. I, I just, it's such a wild, ambitious swing, uh, and I'm not sure all of it works. But I was captivated the entire time. I think a lot of it is truly laugh out loud funny, uh, but also anxiety inducing. Like this is a, I think a nightmare comedy is a great description for what this movie is. And it just really feels like this epic odyssey that uh, you are on. And uh, so I've been working at the Roxy Theater where we are showing Bo is Afraid. Mm -hmm. And it is funny when I like gonna go to the projector while the movie is playing and I see that like, oh, it's the scene where Bo is like in the uh, the play area and it's kind of doing this like cartoon interpretation of like what the rest of his life is. And in my memory, I was like, that's sort of close to the end of the movie. Uh, and while I was watching, I was like, we must be getting close to the end. And then I look at the runtime on the projector and it's like, oh, there's an hour and 20 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, which is wild. And like the thing is, like everything after that is so insane and so bananas. And it's it's it, either you're on board or you're not. But I was very much on board. I can tell tell you that my girlfriend was not. Uh, she did not like Bo was afraid. But the, most of the people that I was with that or that were in the theater with me that I knew, you know, I think they all mostly liked it, or at least were like impressed by it, or interested in it, or wanted to think about it a lot more. It's just such a. It, it's I, I think um. You you know, former guest of the show Charlie McCorn. Um, I'm going to steal this from her, who said that uh, you know, if you had waterboarded me, mm-hmm. like if you had actually tortured me and like set me up for torture, I would not reveal the things about myself that Ariaster gives up for free in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, a perfect way to describe this movie. Yeah, uh, it, it is truly just like Ariaster putting all of himself onto the screen. And you know everything about his uh, you know troubled relationship with his parents, which is something that I think has has been clear in his previous films. I think you know Midsummer Hereditary have that as well. I think you know one of the shorts that um, kind of got him where he is now. Have you? Like, I forget what the name of it is, uh, and I've never seen it. It's like one a short film about a kid who um, like basically like enslaves and rapes his dad, like, Jesus. like over and over again, uh, and that's. It's that's the kind of stuff Ari Aster has made for a long time, is what I'm saying. Yeah, right? I think he has a a complicated relationship with his parents. We can say, <laughs> Right. and particularly his father, as revealed in "I Was Afraid." I think. Sure. Well, his mother, too. well that too. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, the mother, especially, um, and Patty Lupone, who plays his mother, is just unbelievable in this movie. Uh, she's so great. Everybody who pops up just gives like a, a world class performance. Like you said, Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan. Uh, they play this couple in the movie. Uh, Parker Posey's in this, yeah. uh, and I was so. So delighted to find out that she was in this. Uh, and there was a moment like early on where like, you know, she's on TV and I thought, oh, she might just be in this for like that one like cameo appearance. Um, but then she does have like a substantial part later and it's really like a, a really fearless, like unbelievable performance. And so, yeah, but I was afraid. I, I really, really dug it. And I was the first, I was the one that like kind of got there the fastest where I was like after the movie, I was like, I think I really liked that. Yeah. But like everybody else I was with was like, I think I liked it but I need to think about it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I was like I, as I was walking out I was like two thumbs up. Way to go, Ari. <laughs> you did it. The bad man did it.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, it was very funny to one of the guys I went to see it with um had seen it three times in that first we, in that week. Uh um, What? Yeah, I think sort of by accident. I don't really remember the whole
0: I think that puts you on a watch list. I think that's yeah. like <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, like, I think it was that his, his description of it was similar to like, he had plans to see it like on Tuesday night or whatever, whatever, you know, I don't remember the days. And then a separate group of friends was like, Hey, do you want to go tonight? So he's like, okay, I'll go see it twice, whatever. And then the third time was when a different friend was like, Hey, I want to go see this. Do you want to go? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So he went to that and and one of them had Ari Aster as there as like a Q and a thing. So that's really cool. So he told us a little bit about that. And, uh, but yeah, I can't imagine sitting through this movie 3 times in a week it's 9 and, hours of your life and just the fucking psychic damage you would take uh <laughs> yeah through this movie because yeah and it actually made me think of uh, is it Patrick Willems right that's that YouTube film criticism guy that you really like I do yeah Um, so yeah through your recommendation I started following his channel and he had a video recently about the vibes movie and specifically he's talking about Tenet
0: yes I've not watched that yet but I know what you're talking about
1: it's incredible that video is incredible and it kind of turned me around on Tenet a little bit but basically you know the movie it doesn't matter that you can't understand any of the dialogue in Tenet that's not what it's about Uh, you know and also Miami Vice, and it's uh, the video is really interesting about this kind of like weird recursive thing with. James Bond Michael Mann Christopher Nolan and how they're kind of sure. just all influencing each other back, like in a big circle um, so that's really cool but having watched that like a week or a couple weeks before I go to see Bo is Afraid I'm like oh it's it's this like it doesn't matter like the literal specifics of the rules and all that like none of that shit matters in this it's just about the vibes of this movie uh, right and you either on board with that that experience uh, and that uncomfortableness or you're not like you said because um, the, the three of us we there's about five of us in the group that went to see it three of us really like it and we were all men which is interesting and the two girl women that were with us were like no <laughs> um, we're like <laughs> like male passion project films should not be funded anymore <laughs> like, shut this down maybe is a reason nobody would give you money for this so they had a pretty harsh negative reaction to it but uh very which is interesting um but it's one of those kind of things either just it'll either grab you and take you along for the ride or it it won't So Bo 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 is Afraid.
0: All right. Yeah, there it is. Bo is Afraid in theaters right now, uh, directed by Ari Aster. Uh, What else have you been watching, Mike?
1: Um, I'll check back in on uh, Yellow Jackets season two, which is still going on. Uh, The seventh episode just dropped. So I think there's three more. And uh, I think the last time I checked in was episode three. And I said I wasn't sure. Like I was kind of like on shaky footing with the season. Yeah. I'm back in, baby. They got (laughs) me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's we're a, so back. Um, we're so back. There's a thing uh, that was in the end of season, uh, the end of episode three, the like coming soon, you know, like the kind of preview for the next episode that I was like, man, if they're doing this, I'm not really sure how I'm going to feel about it. And it's been this thing that's been this like fan theory for a long time. And it seemed like they were confirming it. And then it's it's a, like a dream sequence. And you're like, aha, like they kind of poke fun at the fans a little bit or like sort of wink wink at that. But they don't hard confirm this. So that is what av- avoided me. You know, ne- I was able to avoid my like, ah, they're going to become lost if that's what they're going with. Um, and they don't do that yet or haven't done it yet. So that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. This The story is real fun. They've kind of gotten all of the the full cast because the whole thing, of course, is it takes place in the 90s with this, this soccer team stranded in the wilderness. And then also in the present day with them dealing with the fallout of all the stuff that happened in the in the forest. Um, And now they've got the full adult cast, it feels like, um, has finally filled in. So there's, you know, you get to see the conclusion or catch up with some characters that are uh, from the teen section. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It just is like, hell, yeah. And the movie knows how cool all of these people are. There's lots of times, like the first time they all come together as adults. It's like a big wide shot of them all standing in a row and like music. You're like, hell, fucking yes, let's go. So extended Twin Peaks reference uh, in, in one episode recently. So that was very fun. So yeah, season two, Yellow Jackets, episode seven, episode seven so far, I'm in. I'm real, real real, enjoying it, so that's exciting.
0: Nice. All right, that's Yellow Jackets, and uh, while we're on TV, I'll, th- I'll toss in a couple of my shows here, uh, which uh, again, quick check-in on Succession and Barry, um, both of which are ending on HBO, uh, and both of which uh, are causing me great amounts of stress uh, <laughs> on just watching those back-to-back. Uh, yeah. Succession has been unbelievable, uh, this season. Um, and so has Barry. Like they've both been like great in different ways. Uh, succession, um, you know, I don't want to get into spoilers for the season, but uh, episode three, which I talked about a while back, um, ended with, or it contained the death of a major character in the show. And that death has like reverberated through the entire rest of the season. But the season is also kind of centered on, you know, who's going to take over the company and all that kind of stuff, which, what the show has always been about. And it, but it's also against the backdrop of this presidential election that's happening. Uh, and the characters in the session lead like a far right news program akin to Fox News. And so they they have like a pivotal role in the election process. And the most recent episode of the show uh, was called America Decides. It was season four, episode eight is the third to last episode of the series. Uh, and it just took place uh, at the newsroom during election night. And it was the most tense hour of TV that I've watched in a very long time. Amazing! Uh, it was very insane, but also really funny because succession is also a very funny show. And one of my favorite threads throughout the series, I think this has been happening since season two is that Alan Ruck's character on succession, uh, who is like kind of the uh, goofy older brother who's like not really associated with the news organization. He's just like, and not really part of like the family's dealings and stuff. He's just like the older brother who's kind of a fuck up. Uh, and he's like 10 years old and everybody else. Uh, He's been like running for president and and by election night, he's still there and he's pulling at like one percent in every state. But like that one percent is like really messing things up for like (laughs) the the uh, the. Like the GOP candidate who is like basically a fascist, uh, and it's like uh, the episode got like so uncomfortably close to like how I felt during the 2016 election, yeah. <laughs> um, like as it was going down, and it was really intense. Um, and yeah, that that whole episode was just amazing. Uh, there's only two episodes left of that, and there's also only two episodes left of Barry, uh, which is has just been doing some unbelievable stuff too. Um, every week I I feel like it's tearing my heart out of my chest. I think there was a a tweet recently that um said like you know Succession fans uh when they're on twitter are always just like man what a privilege it is to be able to watch this show while it's airing and you know all that kind of stuff and then barry fans are like we need to find bill hater and kill him <laughs> like, <laughs> i saw that yeah <laughs> um, and i think that's a, an accurate assessment like i, I like just bill hater who has directed every episode of the season of barry by the way uh and it looks amazing like it, it's truly like i can't like i'm sad that Barry is ending, although it's very clear that like the story has to wrap up very soon, but I'm very excited that, uh, Bill Hader is going to be free up to like direct movies. I think he says he's going to direct a horror movie or something yes. in the next couple of years, which is great. Cause yeah, he's an unbelievable director and Barry season four has been truly like, like it's gone. Like you said with yellow jacks, it's gone in some very twin peaksy areas, mm. uh, and into some really weird, uh, kind of stuff. Uh, and, Uh, There is some some time that has passed and things that have happened and uh, characters that have died. And man, there's two episodes left of that. And uh, I have no idea how it's going to shake out. So, uh, yeah, Succession and Barry, both great. And then also kind of stressful in a different way is that uh, the Game Changer four part season finale has been airing (laughs) (laughs) Game Changer Battle Royale. Uh, which has been really fun, and that's on Dropout, uh, and it kind of makes it. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I haven't watched the last episode yet, which just aired last night. But the entire time, I'm like, would I, would I get into Survivor? I feel like I would like get really into Survivor if given the chance. There's like
1: 49 seasons if you want to get into Survivor. I think it airs twice a year, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and I and I did watch Survivor like when it first started, like yeah. when the first few seasons aired, and then I haven't really thought about it since. Uh, and now there's like a cult of people who love Survivor. It's like a thing. Yeah, and watching Game Changer and watching them do this kind of Survivor. Is inspired battle royale uh which is so fun and so funny and uh, the most recent episode featured howie mandel it just uh it, it's been it's been really fun and it made me think like man i, I really enjoyed the format of this show i feel like i might enjoy survivor. you might enjoy survivor <laughs> yeah it's possible have you been watching the game changer uh, battle royale mike i have
1: yeah i didn't i forgot there was a new one this week so i haven't watched the final one yet
0: but uh yeah okay. the howie mandel one was very good all, all all three of them have been really good yeah yeah absolutely there you go. So that's the TV I've been watching. Uh, Mike D., what else you got on your list?
1: Um, I'll just check in, uh, follow up a little bit from uh, last discussion where you talked about uh, William Peter Blatty's Exorcist 3. Is that yes. the order of the word names? I don't remember. That is correct, yes. <laughs> yes. nailed it. You got it. <laughs> yes, Exorcist 3, fucking slaps. Incredible. Absolutely. Great movie. Perfect. <laughs> Wild movie. Um, I was So it's the... the <laughs> I think I like literally tweeted like, "Oh my god, these guys are so great! Like, have such a perfect relationship." Next scene, one of them dies. <laughs> <I was> <laughs> Uh, it was very funny. Uh, but yeah, just to have that like weird supernatural serial killer thing with, with George C. Scott set in the like Exorcist world uh,
0: is wild. Um, yeah, George C. Scott in 1990. Yeah, like, old know, man George he, C. Scott. Old yeah. man George C. Scott. It's great.
1: Yeah, it's just this hard-boiled, still-working detective who's seen it yep. all. So yeah, that's The Exorcist 3. Well, so I did watch a whole bunch of horror movies, so I'll jump right into 1984's Body Double from uh, Brian De Palma, which I think we talked about last week also, because I had just watched Dress to Kill um, yes. last time, Um, and you mentioned, have you seen Body Double? I don't remember.
0: So I have not seen Body Double. I've been planning to watch it, uh, yes. and it's one of those things, like, I'm going to get to it very, very soon. It's like next in my watch order, and it's on Criterion Channel right now.
1: Yes, yeah, there's in the erotic thrillers section on there, and yeah, just what a fucking picture, man. Brian De Palma is crazy basically is what I'll say. I think I like Just to Kill More just because that is more in the the kind of, you know, slasher giallo whatever wheelhouse sure. which I really enjoy. But Body Double is very good. It's about this guy who's a struggling actor, gets split up splits up with his girlfriend who's Barbara Crampton who's in one single scene and I was like is Barbara Crampton? Oh, uh, <laughs> so that's very fun. And uh this guy says like, "Hey, I'm I'm house watching or house sitting for some rich guy, but uh I just booked a, a Acting job in Seattle, so I have to leave. Why don't you take over? And he's like, "Okay, fine. I'll, yeah, sure. Thanks. I need a place to stay. I'll stay for a couple weeks. It'll be great to like get get on my feet." B- bonus thing about this house, it's got this telescope. And if you look across the street, uh, there's this. The woman does a, like a striptease masturbation thing to herself every night at midnight. You should you should check that out. He's like, "Well, okay." And he's like really shy about it and never she <laughs> and stuff, you know. And he does, and it happens. And then, uh, he watches the next night and she, and she gets murdered. Uh, and he's like, oh no. And he's like running across the street and banging, you know, all the stuff. Yeah. So it's a rear window setup kind of thing. Sure. Um, and it's this woman or it's actually, it's not the next night. It's a little bit while, uh, a little bit later on, but basically he's like become infatuated with her and he's watching her every night. And then eventually he follows her around one day and oh, blah, blah, blah. So then when he... Uh, like breaks into the house to try to save her. He becomes the prime suspect. And of course now it's the cops after him. He's trying to solve the murder. Brian De Palma suspends Hitchcock. You get it. (laughs) Um, But it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool and stylish and weird. And it, it, it's that kind of like mid eighties Hollywood excess, and he's at these parties and this cocaine and this the like orgies. You know, it's that whole uh, seedy underworld kind of thing, and this kind of nor- normal guy gets pulled into the underworld of Hollywood type deal. Uh, so that's body double brian de palma nice fucking rocks um and then i also watched uh to keep in the similar vein uh dario Argento's suspiria from 1977 which i had never seen the og version and i fucking get it man i get why people didn't like the the new one uh, because i had only seen the luca guadagnino version and i liked that one i think that one's really cool and good um yeah, I like that one too. But now I get why everyone's so mad at what or what. And I don't know if everyone was so mad, but I know why people didn't like it. Because uh, when you watch this one, you watch the original. Uh, it's fucking beautiful, uh, like incredible. Chef's kiss, uh, just complete. You know, obviously colorful lights, fucking goblin
0: soundtrack, going, sure.
1: going to eleven, with crazy. That
0: goblin score is unbelievable. So like it's good, one of the best scores ever.
1: I think the two greatest sins of cinema. In the world was that we gave up Technicolor and Goblin didn't do the score for every movie because uh, <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely should have. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it's you know this woman goes brought it gets uh, accepted to this ballet school in uh, Germany, I think, and turns out witches basically. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Turns out witches. Uh, Who could have predicted? Yeah, never saw that coming. Um, and it's amazing and beautiful. And yeah, and the, the Luca Guadagnino version is so like drab and gray and brown. And it's about like East Germany and Cold War, you know. Yes. And Tilda Swinton is 19 characters or whatever has got going on <laughs> in there. Um. So I get the I get the which I mean makes sense if you were gonna remake a movie as I think iconic and and singular as something like Suspiria you have to right. go completely different because yeah
0: totally different direction and uh, yeah I really like that one um, just for being so different and for being like a totally different take on a very similar story like yeah. it's Suspiria like it's in, recognizably like at the core the plot is the same it's about a girl who goes into a dance academy and then witches and yeah all that all that kind of stuff but like everything else is completely different yeah uh, so you have like these two different like really good versions of Suspiria yeah so check check
1: out Suspiria the OG one if you haven't seen it yet um, and I'll just I'll just lump in I'll do one more uh, because I watched another uh, Dario Argento movie because I was like well I just watched Suspiria I've got this other movie uh, this other blu-ray that's in the shrink wrap yeah <laughs> um, uh, and that is uh, Trauma from 1983 which, okay. uh which I actually bought at the Hudson not Hudson Horror Show uh Fucking camp horror, there. Woof, man.
0: Okay, yes. Camp horror. So you, bought- so you bought this in August of last year, and you're just getting to it now. Just
1: getting to it now. That's yeah. that's a pretty good turnaround for some of these <laughs> movies, though. <laughs> better. That's, than that's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But this is a uh Daria Argento movie starring uh his daughter Asia Argento, and I think this is her first movie. I think. Okay. And basically there's, it's a serial killer kind of deal and she may have witnessed it. Uh, but she's also this kind of like troubled teen drug addict, uh, who ran away from an institution kind of deal. So like nobody believes her. And and there's this kind of, uh, you know, that kind of, um, thing where it's like, nobody listens to the woman, like the victim, you know, kind of deal. And she's like, no, it's real. I swear, I swear, you know, that kind of deal. It is really weird because she's, I think says that she's 16, like her character and it's like, just immediately, the, the guy that finds her on the side of the road is like, I'm in love with you. And it's like, the, about their grand romance, also. <laughs> You're like, this is strange. That's your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's weird. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, later period Argento. I know he like is still making movies and stuff. Uh, but I think it is definitely a step down from the 70s stuff for me and the 80s stuff, sure. you know, which makes sense. Uh, it's a little less. I mean, it's definitely Argento, you know, it's lots of black leather gloves, uh, close ups of beheadings doing the whole thing. Uh, so that's fun. It's it's, you know, it was okay in my DVD or my, my movie day marathon there. Um, yeah, but, uh, it was the one, you know, you eat dinner during this movie kind of <laughs> like, sure. not yeah. not fully engaged. Um, but, uh, it's pretty cool and it's weird and it's got, I, th- I think my favorite thing about Argento is just the, and a lot of the like Italian guys in general, the Italian directors is just like, it, it, like the style is what's more important. Like you know, in Suspiria, why are so many rooms just fully green? <laughs> you know, like why is there purple light in here? You know, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, what's the source of the like the internal logic of where the light would be? Like, none of that shit matters. It's about the mood and the theme and all that stuff. The you know hashtag vibes, I guess, is what I'm yes. saying.
0: So, um, yeah, that's that's some horror movies. There you go. All right, and Trauma was the name of the last one, right?
1: Yes, that is Trauma, uh, and it's also available on Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray.
0: All right, cool. All right, I got a few uh, new movies to uh, to catch up with here. Uh, the first of which is uh, the new movie from director Daniel Goldhaber, who directed Cam a few years back on Netflix. Oh, yeah. uh, horror movie, which I really liked. And this played at Sundance, got a really big reaction out of there. Uh, And so recently, we started playing at the Roxy. I went to see it. It's called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And this is based in a nonfiction book, but it is a fictional story. Like, it's just kind of taking the kind of central premise of the nonfiction book and kind of adding a story and characters to it. But basically, How to Blow Up a Pipeline is this movie about a group of, uh, you know, 20-somethings that kind of get together... With the shared common goal of blowing up an oil refinery pipeline, and it's awesome. Hell this movie yeah. rules. I loved it so much. Uh, basically, what's cool about this is that uh, you know it's t- tackling environmental issues and dealing with them pretty head-on and pretty directly. It's also a super fun heist movie they they treat it as if it is a big heist because they have to plan this entire thing get this gang together and throughout the movie you're getting flashbacks about like how each of these characters kind of came to this group and how they all all the different roles they all play here and I'm done da- I don't want to spoil what happens in the movie however it does deliver on the promise of its title the pipeline does blow up cool. and when it and when it blows up it is like one of the most cathartic things i've seen in a movie in a long time it's it's so so good uh it's a cast of mostly unknowns i think the biggest name here is uh sasha lane uh who was in american honey she was also in um, that hellboy movie with david Harbour a couple years ago yeah, she yeah. like the girl in that movie but uh yeah she's great and everybody in this movie is just fantastic and it's it's often very funny um uh, but it's really really intense the editing in this is like so good and like just perfectly wraps up the tension uh, so yeah have to Blow Up a Pipeline, a high uh, recommend. It is fantastic. Hell yeah.
1: That's definitely a movie that uh, I've been hearing a lot about and certainly seems, uh, you know, up by alley, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I I think you would really like it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So Hadwell Pipeline is playing right now. Also, I wanted to mention another new movie uh, from director Kelly Reichardt, and that is Showing Up, uh, which uh, Kelly Reichardt is somebody I've been a fan of for a long time. I really enjoy Meek's Cutoff, uh, Wendy and Lucy. Uh, In more recent years, she did First Cow, uh, Certain Women. Uh, And Showing Up uh, is her latest movie uh, with Michelle Williams, who has been in a lot of her movies. Uh, And uh, Michelle Williams uh, plays this uh, kind of, young uh, sculptress like she's an artist who's sort of dissatisfied with her place in life and she's not really sure kind of what she's doing she's kind of having this you know kind of crisis of of person to, uh, like of talent and like not really sure if she's good enough to be doing what she's doing and all that kind of stuff uh and uh it's a kelly reichardt movie so it's very slow it's very quiet and i really enjoyed it i think it's very very good uh but if you're not on the wavelength of kelly reichardt movies you're probably not going to enjoy this uh especially because this movie was kind of uh, the trailer for this movie makes it look like more of a comedy than it actually is. It's it's really just like this kind of quiet drama about this uh, young woman, Michelle Williams, who is trying to kind of find herself and find herself within the confines of her friendship with her neighbor, Hong Chow who uh, she views as kind of more successful than she is. And there's this bird that the two of them end up taking care of that becomes a metaphor for their relationship. And it's a movie that is so quiet that at one point when the bird takes flight, it's like a gasp worthy, like, oh, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Judd Hirsch is in this playing her. Her father also, and yes. he's fantastic. We're having the Hershans, people, uh, and it's very good to see. So, uh yeah, showing up is, I think, still in theaters right now. Uh, and if, if it's playing near you, you should try to go see it. It's, it's quite good.
1: Hell yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a Kelly Reichardt movie. They're big fans of her on the Screen Drafts podcast, so they talk about her kind of frequently. They even did a whole draft of all of her movies. Okay. Um, So listening to that whole discussion for those movies, I was like, man, these sound incredible. I don't know if I have the patience, though. Uh, So I do (laughs) want to try eventually and see if I can get on the slow cinema wavelength. Um, Sure.
0: I, I have found that when I've seen her movies in theaters, I tend to like them more. Uh, yeah. And so Me- Meek's Cutoff was my first uh, Kelly Reichardt movie, and that might still be my favorite. Um, it's it's really great. It's a western. Uh, it's got Michelle Williams and Bruce Greenwood, uh, and, but it is mostly just like a wagon moving through the West for you know an hour and a half, and then it's over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Meek's Cutoff is very good. I think maybe her most accessible movie would be Certain Women, so I think that might be a good one to start with. Okay. Uh, if you if you're gonna go with one, Certain Women, which is kind of an anthology movie, it's like three stories that uh, take place one after the other. That. Sort of intersect, um, but the last story with uh, Lily Gladstone and Chris Sewer is just like unbelievable, it's so good,
1: cool, yeah. So, so, yeah. so I'll, I'll check them out eventually and to see if I can get on that, the the Card
0: train, yeah do it uh but yeah there you go those are the uh, two new movies that i had to talk about any other uh things you wanted to throw out there mike oh i got a whole bunch still um yeah, so, uh, list some stuff yeah so i sort of did a
1: little uh little southern southern gothic not really a triple feature because i didn't watch them all in a row but uh the over the the movie weekend i watched uh three of these movies and um the first one i'll talk about i guess is sister sister which is another vinegar syndrome blu-ray and this is a movie uh that has jennifer jason lee and eric stoltz in it uh which is about jennifer jason Lee and let's see her it's her character and her sister played by Judith Ivy uh, who I didn't recognize but they run this kind of like old manor house type deal in the bayou and it's sort of like this uh, they, it's a and b and Eric Stoltz is this kind of like city boy kind of guy that comes in to spend time like spend a vacation at the house and it's sort of you know it's young Eric Stoltz so he's hot and he's got you know he's all handsome and he's re- sure. refined from the city and all that stuff so he kind of like sweeps both of these women off their feet and it sort of becomes just the disruption of their normal day to day and stuff and then of course there's this like caretaker guy who's got the hots for Jennifer Jason Lee's character, so now he's jealous, and these murders start happening. And well, really, like two murders happen, and the way that so that was part of the thing like the back of the cover was like and a series of gruesome murder and I was like oh interesting like this is kind of gonna be like a whole thing um and it's more about like the relationship and the family and the town and all of that stuff rather than like a southern serial killer kind of drama thing that I thought it was gonna be yeah so I was kind of like all right I'm kind of a little bored here like it's it's 50 minutes in when is a person gonna die (laughs) um you know (laughs) And then eventually he does. And this kind of twisty turny is about who who Eric Stoltz really is and what happened and why Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, who's sort of like heavily medicated. And it's all about like, oh, she can't leave the house and like all, you know, this whole like what happened to them and how they all ended up here kind of thing. So it's okay, It was fun. It's cool to see these sort of, you know, mostly for the Eric Stoltz and Jennifer Jason Leigh in 1987 being like, you know, young 20s and hot sure. and cool kind of stuff. So that was Sister, Sister. That was okay. Then the other one is uh, from 1996 called The Grave. And this is a, f- it's a really fun setup, I think, where it's these two inmates, right? They're in, They're in, I think, Georgia or something. They're inmates and they get a hot tip from a guy who's like, well, when I get out of here, I'm going to, I know where there's this guy who died without an heir, so he was buried with his with his entire fortune and jewels and jewelry and all that stuff is in his casket with him. And I know where its cemetery it's in. <laughs> kind of deal and they're like well yeah. if, you know if we get out of here to get why don't we all go uh, and he so he tells them where, where it is and they just immediately escape and leave him behind <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a part prison break at the beginning um, and then it's just these these two criminals uh, like running through the forest and th- trying to get to this grave uh, that has this mass fortune in it of course uh, they get shot they're being chased it's this whole thing and then they, they they make it back to their hometown where their where their brother or somebody their friends, can help them now they know about the grave so they leave them behind and it's like this whole you know cat and mouse kind of thing uh, for to get to this uh, grave and wouldn't you know it Mike it's empty of course no, halfway no. through you find out <laughs> he wasn't there was, it's the wrong grave they knew they moved the pot bo- no uh, they moved the yeah. <laughs> it's not like that but it is empty right um, I, they didn't move the bodies that was the di- problem <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, but so then it's more twisty is drama stuff so I like this a lot I had I had a lot of fun with it because I think the, the characters or, you know, they're just like mean sons of bitches. They're criminals. They're just like deep fried, good old boy kind of guys and just degenerate people trying to get over on each other kind of stuff. And then there's also like a little bit of like a treasure hunt aspect to it. So that's fun. All while um what's his name? How can I forget? Uh, Keith David. There we go. Keith David is uh this preacher, this priest in the like a in the prison. Uh, who's like being told this story in the present day? So it's like a flashback yeah. thing. So it's just cool that Keith David is in this. So and this was fun. You know, this is a good time. I think it's just you know, it's not nothing incredible, but it's uh, I it had fun, had more fun with it than I did with uh, Sister Sister. Uh, nice. So that's The Grave from 1986 and then the the last uh Southern Fried movie that I watched is from uh, 2019, and this is called Blood on Her Name, which is uh, it's not Vinegar Syndrome. It's um, one of their partner labels. I think it's Yellow Veil Pictures who. Put Out man help uh was that adams family movie how could i forget that oh uh hellbender hellbender yeah it's them it's the same distributor or producer okay so this is blood on her name and this is not necessarily a horror movie by any means at all it's just um it's a lot closer to like blue ruin um something like that where it starts with this woman is standing over a pot a body in a pool of blood holding a wrench you know uh, in her yeah like a body shop in a garage and it's just like that's the that's there's like the title card and then that and it's like holy shit and then she decides to cover it up right it's and it's like a montage of her in the plastic wrap dry in the trunk blah 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 she hides the body right and then it just kind of spirals from there and it becomes this kind of you know th- this paranoia thriller thing set in this tiny town just all about uh these people that have kind of been like forgotten by society and trailer parks and they're all she she's uh her husband used to own the body Shop, but he's in jail for selling stolen cars out of it. And uh, she, her, she's got drug priors, and her dad is the sheriff, and like, oh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a uh, family blood feudy type things. Uh, and it was real tense and real scary. I think all the performances are really good. What's his name? Is the guy that's the sheriff that plays her dad, Will Patton? Will Patton, if you know who that okay. is,
0: okay, yeah, that name sounds really familiar.
1: He's also the sheriff in the new Halloween movies. That's like okay, Laurie, that's... Laurie's friend from when they were kids or
0: whatever. Yeah, I think that's it.
1: Yeah. So he's cool. He's really good. And he's just like, just like a chewing tobacco, whiskey drinking, asshole, dirty cop kind of guy. So yeah, Blood Our Name, I don't think it's as great as like Blue Ruin, which is a movie I really love, but it's in that kind of vein. And if you're like that kind of just like down and dirty, low budget, southern family drama, crime movie. Check check out Blood on Her Name.
0: There you go. By the way, Will Patton also in a couple of Kelly Reichardt movies right. as I'm looking it up. He's in Wendy and Lucy and he's in Meek's Cutoff. So there you go. There it is. Maybe I, maybe I am on the Reichardt wavelength. There you go. Uh, all right. So what was the name of that movie again, Mike? That is Blood on Her Name. Blood on Her Name. All right. And uh, I have a few more to uh, get through here as well. Uh, one of which, uh, you know, I think I mentioned it a few weeks back, but I watched It Man uh, for the first time uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. The reason being that, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm planning to watch the whole series uh, in anticipation of getting to Master Z It Man Legacy for the Michelle Yeoh podcast. Uh, And so uh, this past week, I watched It Man 2, uh, which, uh, of course, features Donnie Yen as It Man and also features Sammo Hung as uh, the villain of the movie Uh, or sort of the villain of the movie. He's the villain for the first half. Here's the thing about It Man 2. It is 100 percent martial arts recreation of Rocky four. Like it's just straight up. It is Rocky four. So basically what happens in it man two, uh, because Sammo hung was not in the first movie. Uh, they need to build up his relationship with Sammo hung and he's basically Apollo Creed. What, how, wait, how isn't Sammo hung old? when does it man come out? Uh, it, it man two is in 2010. So yeah, it's an older Sammo. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sammo hung is basically Apollo Creed. He's like a rival martial arts master. Uh, and it man is trying to get into like the martial arts association so he can teach his own school. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the movie really peaks about a half hour in uh, when it man has to fight the other martial arts masters. And in order to do so, they like kind of set up this one table in the middle of a room surrounded by all these chairs that are upside down. And he has to fight them on the table and not hit the floor until the candle burns out. And so he fights off a few people. And then finally, Samo Hung jumps in and it's Donnie Yen versus Samo Hung uh, balancing on this table. And it's incredible. It's so good. (laughs) That's cool as hell. Uh, It's great. And the movie really peaks in that sequence. Um, And in that time, like at that point, Sammo Hung is his rival. He's Apollo Creed. And then like as the movie goes on, like 20, 30 minutes later, he becomes like a trusted friend and confidant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Sammo Hung dies in the ring by this foreign power. (laughs) It's Rocky Four. It's Rocky Four, And so Donnie Yen has to avenge Sammo Hung's death uh, from this foreign power. Cool. Uh, and so the rest of the movie beyond the fight with Donnie Yen versus Sammo Hung, it's fine. It's pretty good. There's some like you know cool action sequences and stuff, um, but it's it's it all feels very repetitive because again it is just Rocky Four. But it's worth it just for that Donnie Yen Sammo Hung fight. It's so cool. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. I got to watch these movies because I also will be watching the spinoff that we have to watch for the Michelle Yopod. So
0: yes, uh, which is specifically a spinoff of It Man 3, I think, like characters from It Man 3 show up in that movie. Got it. Uh, So yeah, so I'm getting to that one next. Um, But yeah, It Man 2, uh, I don't think it's as good as It Man 1, but uh, it's pretty fun. So yeah, there you go. That's It Man 2. Also uh, rewatched a couple of the movies recently. Uh, This past weekend at the Roxy uh, was Mother's Day weekend. And uh, for Mother's Day weekend, we decided to show Freaky Friday from 2003 Nice. With Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, a Mike's girlfriend favorite, uh, and that is the reason why it played at the Roxy. Uh, <laughs> it's bec- it has become a weird thing where, like, a lot of her favorite movies tend to do really well Just <laughs> at make the Roxy. Bank. Yeah, basically, yes. Uh, and so now at every programming meeting, they're like, oh, well, what did is- so your girlfriend want to see at the Roxy? <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, uh, in recent months, it was 10 Things I Hate About You. It was She's the Man, The Princess Diaries, and now Freaky Friday. I, I believe next month, Easy A is is going to be coming up. But uh, yeah, Freaky Friday, Body Swap Comedy, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, a movie that uh, I feel like I've really turned around on because when I was a kid, I didn't like Freaky Friday that much because it was a movie my sister really liked. And I feel like at the time, she really hated all the stuff that I liked, and I really hated all the stuff that she liked. And that is how we lived our lives. <laughs> Fair.
1: There's a clear Uh, delineation between which ones you were allowed to like.
0: Exactly. Yes. You know, Megan doesn't like Star Wars, I don't like Freaky Friday. That's how it works. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, as as the years went on and I got older and we grew out of that, you know, I I hadn't really gone back to Freaky Friday at all, but it is one of my girlfriend's favorites. Uh, so at some point a couple of years ago, uh, she made me watch it uh, and I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty fun. I had a good time watching this and watching it in the theater uh, this past weekend was really fun. Had a good time. Uh, great soundtrack, too. It's Just really like fun, like kind of pop punk early 2000s soundtrack. Uh, it's very funny, like there's a moment early on where Lindsay Lohan is talking to her crush, who's played by Chad Michael Murray, and they're the first thing they bond over is how much they love the hives, uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, this is 2003, baby." <laughs> I thought you were going to say Avril Levine or something. Uh, she would have fit right in with the soundtrack of this movie, uh, yeah. for sure. But yeah, Freaky Friday—it's pretty fun. Uh, there is a weird, like, kind of racial element to the whole thing, where it's uh, you know the old, the Asian woman's fortune cookie that makes them switch uh, bodies, oh, and that is odd. Uh, and truly, like, the woman who gives them the fortune cookie is like truly psychotic um, <laughs> because she's like it, it, it's like her go-to move for everything to make people switch bodies. Like, it's a bit at the end of the movie where she's about to make the grandpa and the little brother switch bodies. <laughs> And then like her daughter stops her. Um, but yeah, Freaky Friday, it's a good time. Also rewatched uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because uh, I've been rewatching all the Indiana Jones movies in preparation for uh, the new one, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And Temple of Doom, uh, had, it had been a while since I'd actually like sat down and watched this one in its entirety. Uh, and I was kind of excited to rewatch this one because uh, Kihi Kwan, you know? Yeah. I, it, it, it's the, my first like, Kihi Kwan movie post his Oscar win. I was like, oh, I'll go back and watch Temple of Doom. He's so great. I love Short Round. Uh, yeah. I've always loved Short Round. I feel like there was a period where people were like, oh, Short Round's kind of annoying. No. He rules. He's so great in this movie. The annoying one is Willie. Willie Scott is like the worst. Yeah. Um, Kate Capshaw's character, which is unfortunate, especially considering, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the previous movie, uh, Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood is one of like the greatest, like, uh, female characters in any action movie ever, like in any, yeah. uh, big blockbuster. And then it's such a huge downgrade to go from that to Willie Scott, who is just screaming the entire time. Unfortunate. But there, I think Temple of Doom is, uh, is weaker than Raiders and Last Crusade, but I think there's still a lot of stuff to like about it. Uh, and I think the, uh, first, 20, 30 minutes are fantastic. Like, it starts off so well with the opening sequence that's basically just Steven Spielberg making his James Bond movie, where it's, you know, indie in-club Obi-Wan, the big yeah. shootout, and the the great exchange that he has with uh, the person's like, okay, give it back, Dr. Jones, or we won't give you the antidote. Uh, and it's like, what what antidote? To the poison you just drank. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. Uh so 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 good. So yeah, I I really like a lot of stuff in Temple of Doom and I think I think this might have been the first Indiana Jones movie I ever saw. Like I think I I have a distinct memory of like watching this one at like a sleepover with like a friend uh, who had like brought it over on VHS and we watched it and I remember and I, I remember watching the minecart chase and being like this rules. This is incredible. Yeah, a lot of great stuff in Temple of Doom, um but it is weaker than Raiders and Last Crusade. Last Crusade I think is my favorite.
1: Yeah, I I don't really I yeah. I mean I I really like uh Temple of Doom also. Uh, despite all the Ori- Orientalism and racism and all
0: that shit, but, of course. There is a lot of that, yeah.
1: Um. But, you know, weirdly connected to Guardians 3 in that it's the R- Temple of Doom, I think, is the reason there's a PG-13 rating, because them ripping yeah. that dude's heart out. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so Temple look- of Doom and Gremlins, the same summer. That right. was, uh, that's, what it, that's what it was.
1: So, you know, remember the darkness that's potential potentially available in a PG-13 rating.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Going into Guardians.
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But also, that's, I think I think also the first Indiana Jones movie that I saw, I think – Um, for a long time I I said that it was my favorite one but I don't know if that's true anymore the last couple times I've watched all three of them or watched multiple to like within proximity to each other I've been like I think I like this more than Temple of Um, Doom I
0: mean I think I think it has it is so different than every other indie movie like it's not like a big globetrotting adventure like the other ones are uh, and it has a much darker tone than the other ones do uh, especially three and four um, which are you know very uh, get much goofy especially the fourth one uh, which I do like the fourth one and I will always stand by King of Crystal Skull I'm going to Watch it again uh, for before episode or before the new one, and uh, I look forward to enjoying it. That's fair <laughs> enough. It's just, I think there, I mean, there's stuff to make fun of in King across the Skull, but I think you know, there's the stuff that like people latched onto, like the nuke the fridge thing, where it's like, ah, how can Indy survive this nuclear blast in a refrigerator or whatever? I was watching Temple Doom and I was like, I don't know, he survived a plane crash in a life raft, like I, mean, <laughs> I just. <laughs> Good point, like, good point. Like, I feel like our threshold for this should be pretty high. Like, I feel like we should get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, Temple of Doom, it's it's good times. There it is. Yes. Uh, any other uh, last-minute things you want to throw in there, Mike, before we start wrapping this up? Um.
1: Yeah, I got three more movies. Uh, okay. I'll go, I'll go quick. One uh, is the, the Old Guard from 2020, that Netflix movie Ooh, yeah. with uh, Charlize Theron. Yes, I saw that when it came out. Yeah, I never saw it. And um, one time I wasn't in charge of picking a movie in the Discord, and somebody was like, we're watching The Old Guard. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um pretty cool. I don't know. Liked it a lot. I think the idea is really fun that they're sort of like these immortal mercenaries that have been around for thousands of years uh or from older empires or whatever, and now they're just modern day like special forces spy mercenary people uh, cool as hell I don't know real yeah. fun
0: action's real cool I, I really liked it at the time I thought it was pretty cool the action sequence is really fun Charlize Theron's great and it sets up a really fun world also like it's Dudley Dursley is the uh, is the bad guy yeah. right? which is wild <laughs> which is nuts um, uh, and he's he's been popping up in things lately Like he's he's kind of an actor on the rise uh, which yeah. is cool to see
1: yeah so that was real fun and it ends fucking with Chowito age of four gonna be like their man in the chair kind of guy and I was like
0: right. cool I hope there ever is a Old guard 2 because I believe fun. they're make I believe they're making Old guard 2 uh, but Gina Prince bythewood is not directing it Yeah. Uh, Because she she directed the first one and then went on to direct uh, The Woman King, uh, which just came out. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think I saw some like weird COVID because it came out in 2020 and then like weird delays, schedules, and it's kind of just been like in limbo for a while. So hopefully that does happen eventually. And then to sort of piggyback off your Ip Man uh, discussion a little bit, broadening our horizons post uh, Michelle Yeoh podcast focus, where you're like, there's an entire Hong Kong industry that I didn't ever know existed. Um, Yeah. Right. So I've been digging back through some of those, and um, I recently got, a, go figure, a Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome of <laughs> of uh, the movie Writing Wrongs from 1986. Um, oh yes, yes, which fucking rules, and it's basically the YoPod All Stars because it's uh, produced by Yoon Bao. Stars Yoon ba, Okay. Cynthia Rothrock, directed by Corey Yoon. I think two dire- movies after... Of yes Madam, right? Yeah, I think there's two movies after... I think it's Yes Madam, or maybe one movie, and then this one. Okay. And I forget who did the stunts... Let me see if I can find it real quick. On well, Yun, Corey Yoon and Yun Bao. <laughs> um, sure, yeah, sure, makes sense. But yeah, so this is that. This is about Yun Bao is playing a lawyer, like a prosecutor who just like the 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 system is so corrupt. And and a lot of these movies that we, like that we talked about then also like like in Yes Madam, where it's just like I own the politician, I own the courts, you know. Um, and what was that? There was another movie like that. It's a, somebody ends up in court and because it was recorded, I don't remember anyway, but yeah, so he's a prosecutor and the, the guys get off and he's, uh, t- the charges are dismissed and he's talking to the judge and the judge is like, you know, if these two were to end up dead, as long as you made, sh- as long as it happened to be in my court, I might not find that person guilty, you know, kind of thing. So he's a vigilante. Um, right. Cynthia Rothrock is a, is a police officer. Gets assigned to the murder that he just committed, uh, and then, but she also wants to take down the corrupt system. And then they figure out that they sort of their goals are aligned, and it becomes them against the corrupt the corrupt system and the the criminals that own that own the politicians and the courts and stuff. You get it. It's a Hong Kong action movie from 1986. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah absolutely and it fucking <laughs> rules Ian Bao is great Around the rock is great it definitely has a little bit of course uh, like we talked about in a lot of those earlier uh, YoPod episodes where it's like not really sure who or why <laughs> any of these people are what's, what's going on here exactly uh, but everything looks cool it's real mean uh, lots of like collateral damage from the criminals and stuff so yeah writing wrongs real fucking cool and it's got like a huge box set with like i think it's a three disc because it's got a couple um like was re-released in america under a different name with a different cut uh, like an international and an unedited you know blah 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 so there's a couple different versions of it i think i watched just the uh like standard like 95 minute whatever i forget the, the original hong kong edit or whatever so yeah that's writing wrongs which is very fun and very cool and then i also um got around to watching uh john woo's the killer nice fuck yeah (laughs) Ha, <laughs> (laughs) Sweetheart produced John Woo directed Starring Chow Yun-Fat Of course also Yopod all-stars Yep Just fucking incredible Chow Yun-Fat plays An assassin who's The coolest human That's ever been put On film And then uh, He assassinates A politician In a very public Setting And the police Sort of are onto him Uh, He gets away But because he's been You know like Partially identified uh, The triads Turn on him Because now he might He might snitch So now it's the police And also his former gang Are after him uh, to make sure that either justice is served or he doesn't snitch on them and uh, just fucking rules man it's the coolest shit and I you know I know the, I know the whole John Woo of it all the slow-mo the dives the doves yeah on 11 in this movie it's so good (laughs) it's so fucking cool (laughs) how many times can somebody in a church just be like swarmed by doves in slow motion while they're just dual wielding pistols, blowing deeds away. Um, so yeah, The Killer is fucking awesome, and there's also, of course, a, a really like intense love story and all that. So that's very fun. The Killer,
0: nice. Yeah, that's that's one that I've seen. I've seen The Killer, but it's been years. Like I think it was like 2016, maybe that I watched it last. So yeah, I'm due for a rewatch because that movie rules. uh Maybe one day for Inferno of Danger, The Killer could uh, could make a comeback. Oh yeah, it'd fit right in there. Any any early John Woo, of course. Yes. Uh, the, The goal next month, face off. So we got we got a John Woo on the way. Hell yeah! But all right. So is that uh, that's pretty much the end of your list, Mike?
1: That's all the things.
0: That's okay, it. great. So uh, I'm just going to give a shout out to one more thing. Not a movie, not a TV show, a video game uh, that I think I've briefly mentioned in the past. But uh, I, in the last couple of months, I recently got a PS5, and so I, and that PS5 came packaged with God of War Ragnarok. Uh, and so I have been playing God of War Ragnarok, uh, which rules. High recommend. It's it's very very good. Uh, I was a big fan of the 2018 God of War game, and I, I like that game a lot. Lot, but I, I feel like that game got a lot of acclaim as like wow this is one of the greatest games ever made and uh I I don't think I would go that far with the 2018 God of War which I think is very good yeah and you know and I really enjoyed the uh, the old God of War games also the uh, the Greek saga as that's kind of now known in God of War lore uh now we're kind of doing this like North Norse mythology thing but still within the continuity of the old games uh which is a really interesting thing to see play out yeah I do think God of War Ragnarok is a better game than God of War 2018 wow and I feel I I just feel like i'm more engrossed in the story i'm more engaged with all of these characters uh and i feel like you know in god of war 2018 i didn't really have like the desire to go back and do like other side quests in the game mm-hmm. uh because i'm not really a side quest kind of player for the most part like i don't do that for most games but in god of war ragnarok like i haven't really done them yet i'm kind of feeling like oh, when i finish the game when i finish the story i might go back and do those side quests <laughs> like like I really enjoy just uh, this world and exploring it. And uh, I feel like all of the kind of extra side quests that they've kind of set up are things that I would be interested in, like kind of exploring and seeing more of that story play out and, all that kind of stuff. But the main story, as it is right now, which uh, takes place a few years after the original, uh, the God of War 2018, uh, has Kratos and Atreus uh, kind of preparing for Ragnarok. Thimble Winter has happened, which uh, happened at the end of God of War 2018. And so, like, all the realms have been cast into, like, this eternal winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, this time around, you're really dealing with Odin and Thor. They're, like, major characters in here, as are Heimdall and other recognizable characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But very, very different than their Marvel counterparts parts i will say that uh and i i really like the way the the game kind of portrays many of these characters um where o- odin especially is like this sort of like feeble old man who's like just really kind of casual like he's pretty chill interesting <laughs> um, and you know you you have this kind of Juxtaposition between Kratos and Atreus, and Atreus is like a, a now a teenager who is kind of exploring stuff on his own, and so you spend a lot of the game playing as Atreus uh, instead of playing as Kratos, and you see the, uh, you see them separated, and you see them kind of reunite and come together again. Uh, and so I have not finished the game yet at all, but and I think, and I think there's still a lot left. It's like a pretty lengthy game, but uh, yeah, the whole thing has just been like really terrific, and uh, it's been really cool to play. So God of War Ragnarok, it's great. Go play it. Hell yeah,
1: yeah. I got really close to finishing God of War 2018, and then it was just one of those things. Where like you know I didn't play for like a week or two and just was like oh I don't remember where I was I gotta yeah. you know you lose the momentum and then it just becomes too daunting to go back and finish it uh, or keep playing so I I need to just do it that happened to me with The Witcher three a bunch too where it's like. <laughs> fucking what am I doing in the middle of this forest I don't know what I've you know one of those things with video games Um, so but I really loved it and that game is great and what a what a like fascinating reimagining of the God of War franchise to
0: update it like that so yeah to only improve on it sounds amazing so one day yeah absolutely and it's and it has been weird like this past week uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has come out yeah Uh, the sequel to Breath of the Wild which Breath of the Wild largely considered also one of the greatest games ever made and recently I think it was G that did like a uh, a list, like a top 100 video games of all time list where they like talked to game developers and like mm-hmm. had them each give their top 10, like a sight and sound type thing, but for video games. And I think the top two, uh, no, God of War was not number two, but it was high up there. I think the top two, The Last of Us was number two and Breath of the Wild was number one. Wow. And Breath of the Wild was named like the best video game ever by like hundreds of game developers. And I don't know, I played Breath of the Wild uh, for a little bit. I enjoyed it. Uh, there's too much going on. I don't know. <laughs> and I, and I fear that'll be my reaction to tears of the kingdom, which like looks really impressive. It looks great. It's cool that people are able to do all the things they can do in it. But whenever a game has like, whenever a game allows me too much freedom, I don't want (laughs) to play. Yes. I need like a direction to move in, you know? (laughs)
1: Very fair. I remember hearing a lot of stuff about, uh, when Breath of the Wild came out, p- like people getting to the end and then be or like accidentally discovering the starter area. There is there's one like really famous, like famous thing on the clip where it's a person streaming it. Uh, and they accidentally discover the tutorial and they're like 95 hours into the game. Like they stumbled <laughs> into the area and they were like, you can dodge or whatever. Like, it's like this like various thing that they never knew about because they, <laughs> yeah. they just didn't go there. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, and yeah, they pro- I never played Breath of the Wild because I only have the handheld Switch. So what am I going to bother playing like a beautiful like open world experience on a two inch screen? Right. And the problem with Nintendo is it'll never be on sale anywhere else. Like I'll never be able to just yeah. wait. I'll wait five years and it'll be $30 on Steam. Yeah. Uh, Nope, yeah.
0: not possible. So No, that that is the annoying thing. And so there are a lot of Switch games that I want to play and haven't kind of pulled the trigger on them yet because it's like, oh, Metroid Dread is still 60 bucks. Uh, right. You know. That kind of thing. So I, I I have a few games that like every once in a while I think on like March 10th they do a Mario sale uh, <laughs> for Mar 10 right? Yeah. Um, but it's always the same games that are on sale. Like it's always the same like you know five Mario games like Mario Party, New Super Mario Bros. Yeah. And so I I recently picked up Luigi's Mansion 3 uh, and was have been playing that uh, and that's been very fun. I enjoy that game a lot, but it's also really hard. It's, a, it's hard. <laughs> it's a hard game. Like to a degree where I'm like, man, how do kids figure this? out How do children uh, play with? Yeah. So but that, that's kind of what. I've been playing recently is Luigi's Mansion on the Switch but uh, yeah I, I played some of Breath of the Wild a while back uh, and still I own it I think it's it's a really impressive game but I, I don't know if I'm going to go back to it I, you know what maybe one day it's one of those things where like ah I'm not good at this and I don't think I'm going to like get yeah. better at this <laughs> Yeah. You know, all that stuff. So uh but I, I hope Tears of the Kingdom is great. Uh it, it seems like it is.
1: Yeah, it seems like you can sure build a lot of stuff because that's really the only thing I've seen online. Uh yeah. is people being like, Look, I made a steam engine. You're like, What?
0: Yes. Uh to the degree where I'm like, did they just like make Minecraft but put it a Zelda skin on it? But like- Zelda, yeah, I think they <laughs> yeah. kinda did. But it sounds like it's cool. Sounds like it's pretty cool. Uh, it, it also, I saw a lot of people make penises in the game, yep. which is very funny because there's a bit in Mythic Quest. I think yeah. in the pilot of Mythic Quest. Time to Dick or it's Time sorry, to Penis. To like, yeah. Time to Penis. And then some, like a, an actual game developer was like tweeting about it and being like, yeah, in, in the game development world, we call this TTP, Time to Penis. Like, how quickly yep. can somebody make a penis in your game? Incredible. <laughs> uh, and to see that in action, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Those are our discussions for the week. Any last thoughts, Mike?
1: Um, we should sure we sure discussed a lot and yeah. um you know hopefully we'll be we'll have even more next time
0: yes uh, well next time we got some fast and furious discussions to uh talk about true mike. true 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 uh, the, so family. That's gonna, the family is going to be assembling so uh before we get to the that mike where can we find you online this week
1: uh you can find me at md film Blog on twitter and letterboxd uh, if you'd like to donate to support the show you can do that at our Kofi page which is ko slash mike and mike pods and if you want merch we have merch available on our Redbubble which is mikeandmikepods.redbubble.com.
0: Yes, it is. And you can find me online at msmithfilmblog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike's Show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. And like Mike said, our Ko-fi page, you can donate there. 50 bucks buys you an episode you can we can, talk, we can talk about whatever.
1: That's right. We dare you.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, so next week, it's time for a family reunion. Uh, some very special guests will be joining us to talk Fast X, the latest film in the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't know whether I'm supposed to call it Fast X or Fast, Fast 10, um, because obviously the X is also supposed to be the Roman numeral for 10. 10, yeah. Uh, and it's the tenth Fast and Furious movie. But at the same time, Fast X just sounds better to me. I've never heard it said out loud, so I assume it's Fast X. <laughs> I, I feel like it's Fast X, right? I yeah. mean, and and that would just be in keeping with the insane titling of all of these movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, they've never <laughs> done Roman numerals
0: before. Not that that would stop them, but... Right. F- uh, f- yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, Fast X, it's happening. Uh, <laughs> so next week, uh, we're doing that. In the meantime, uh, The Complete Works just released this episode on Kung Fu Panda 2. Uh, that is out now. Uh, next week... We're talking The Lady. Uh, <laughs> Weirdly, not a Jerry Lewis movie, though. Uh, unfortunately, not a Jerry Lewis movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Lady is next week, uh, directed by Luke Besson, starring Michelle Yeoh. We'll be talking about that one. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We will see you on the other side.